Hi, this is your girl, Ali, and welcome to What's Your Buzz? Today on the show, we have Steph from the Urban Bee Co, who is my mentor and the most knowledgeable soul when it comes to bees. Enjoy listening to her journey into the world of beekeeping. finally have the one the only Steph from the Urban Bee Co. Hi girl I'm so excited to have you on. Hi guys. (laughs) She's never done a podcast before so um, this is my third time so this is her first time so (laughs) this is going to be very interesting so enjoy this journey. Um, So welcome to What's the Buzz About Bees? What's the Buzz About Steph? So Steph How did it all begin? How did you start with bees? Tell me right back to the start. Beautiful. So my husband has always had a dream for bees um, and he had bugged me for years and years to get a hive. Yeah. Um, And I caved one year and I got him a Christmas present um, of a beehive. Okay, and that's cool. how we began bees yeah. um, and it snowballed from there once we get one you want more it's quite addictive yeah um, and you fall in love you yeah. fall in love with these beautiful little bees um, and you want more so yeah. how did you go on Christmas Day giving bees like how did that happen did you warn him <laughs> so, did you tell him like what how, yes. did, how does someone gift someone bees for Christmas yes so um, I did prepare him that that's what I was getting him yeah um, and along with um, his bees yeah I did um, I did also pay for a mentor to come out okay, cool. and give him his first couple of lessons yeah. um, to help him maintain the hive. So he yeah. was prepared yeah. um, and he did a lot of research before the bees arrived. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he was prepared. It's not something you can gift without um, doing knowledge yeah. and, and prior education. Yeah. Um, but d- most definitely I also did get him that mentoring. Yeah. Um, the lovely Bonnie. Um, was the mentor that came out and showed my husband how to do maintenance checks. Yeah. Um, went through all the different, um, bees, whether that's queen, worker bee, nurse bee, drone, um, eggs, uh, larvae, cat brood, um, pollen, nectar, because we know all those things are important. Yeah. Then she also spoke about disease. So we went through hive beetle, um, wax moth, um, and then AFB, EFB, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, so this is all lingo, like, you know, from somebody who's wanting to get into beekeeping and you can get really overwhelmed really quickly. Yeah. So, you know, when you bought your husband or when you got into beekeeping to begin with, like, um, did you go to a mentorship or did you do research first? Like, how did you find a mentor? Like, Yep, so um, I knew Bonnie prior. Okay, yeah. Um, and I'd always known that she was a beekeeper and she'd been a beekeeper for quite some time. Yeah. Um, so I did pick her brain a little bit. Yeah. And my husband did a lot of research, a lot, listening to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Um, we also went to YouTube. Okay, cool. um, Another good source is Bush the Bee Man. Yeah. Um, watching all those videos of people actually doing it yeah. um, was quite handy. Yeah. Um, and then getting Bonnie to mentor my husband in the hive yeah. was probably the best thing that sh- that I could have got my husband um, because he- getting hands-on, yeah, retain a lot more knowledge. Yeah. Um, also, sourcing your bees from someone... Um, 
that's quite knowledgeable about bees. Genetics does make a, a big play when you're new. Yeah. When you're new to beekeeping, having a really angry hive to begin with can really turn you, turn you off beekeeping. Yeah. So just knowing um, where your bees are coming from, um, and with Bonnie, they were beautiful. Yeah. Um, so it was quite easy to learn. Yeah. Um, the basics and the ins and the outs from Bonnie and Bonnie's bees yeah. um, because they were such beautiful genetics, so easy to work. Yeah. Um, so that was a massive big help in the beginning and I think that that's how we easily fell in love with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and then the next thing, our garden grew. So our, our apiary grew <laughs> because we loved them so much. Yeah. And then our garden grew because I wanted to, to feed them. Yeah. Um, and so we grew every plant possible, yep. whether it be fruits, whether it be flowers, and it became sort of an obsession. And then the next thing I had was my family. They're like, oh, well, we want a beehive and for you to maintain it. And I was like, yeah, of course, because everyone um, loved our idea and they yeah. loved our garden and they loved the bees and the whole family loved honey. Yeah. Every, everybody <laughs> yeah. loved honey. Yeah. So a lot of my family live on acreage yeah. um, and quite big blocks. Um, so that's where we began placing our bees out at family. Yeah. And then before we knew it, we had such a large supply of honey yeah. that we decided we needed to start selling it because yeah. um, we had too much for ourselves. And then we started getting customers going, oh my gosh, I've always wanted bees, but the time and the knowledge that goes into it, um, sometimes it is a bit overwhelming. And I think that you do have to be um, a resilient person, I wanna say, to get into beekeeping. Yes, it does you throw, do. <laughs> it, yes, you it do. It does throw a lot of, um, hardships should I say and it's not just the bees themselves it's what they what comes with their nature it's diseases pests it's starvation um it's AFB um so it, sometimes it is hard to learn these things when you're put in that motion um so I did have a lot of people come to me saying that they wanted bees on their their property for pollination yeah um but they didn't know how to go about it and I thought oh well they're in, in, they're in reach of me so that's how I started placing my host to hive program so yeah. I placed my bees at other people's properties um, not just family yeah. and um, for pollination services so and then when we do honey harvests we would give them some of their own honey yeah. and they began to really really love that and yeah. that's where we've got now between 70 and 80 hives placed out um, <laughs> That's and crazy, I, yeah. let me tell you. Yes. That is crazy because I have nowhere near that because, you know, you and I both work the hives <laughs> and we are like, I always look at her and I'm like, you crazy girl, you crazy, but I love you. <laughs> and, and to be honest with you, that would grow phenomenally. Yeah. Um, the amount of people that have since asked me um, to place more hives out is phenomenal and I've literally had to say no. Yeah. I'm physically unable to do <laughs> any more than my yeah. 80 hives yeah. at the moment because it does, it does can require a lot of time, a lot of maintenance yeah. um, for and, them. And I find that there's a lot of misconceptions that beekeeping's easy, you set and forget. And it's something that I try and educate people that 
you just don't get you know honey straight away like there's inspections and it's all about maintenance and it's it's so important because you've gone and had you know you've had the worst experience any beekeeper could and that's afb so what tell us what is afb so afb is american fowl brood and that is something someone needs to um educate themselves in yeah prior to getting bees i believe um it is something quite serious so if your hive is positive for afb and it is prevalent all through australia Mm -hmm. so it's it's everywhere yeah um it is you you have to terminate the bees you have to dig a hole you have to burn your whole hive your youtube your utensils and everything goes with it um yeah so afb is a little spool and it lives in honey and wax yeah um it is okay for people to consume it um so that's obviously how it's got through honey yeah um into australia um and a lot of the times uh buying the cheaper honey yeah and feeding it to wildlife um like birds yeah um can also contribute to bees thieving the honey and taking it back to their hive and sometimes if it's not if it is infected honey um you're then exposing that hive to the afb spore yeah Um, Yeah. and once sadly once your hive has afb um it is termination um it is biosecurity hazard so you have to ring biosecurity so that's what i i can't stress enough that everyone has to register um for a biosecurity number for their hives um just because if joe blog down the road has afb you're then contacted to be aware Mm -hmm. um and to, to really maintain your hives yeah um now when i picked up afb um unfortunately um Someone had given these hives to me. There was three of them, and they were unmaintained flow hives. Yeah. Now, one of them was completely dead out when I got into it once we had moved it, and the bees that were coming and going were robber bees. That should have been my first, oh, that doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two hives um, looked on first inspection messy and they needed help but not overly um down in numbers yeah so i had hoped that they would be fine yeah. but as every new beekeeper learns you treat them like they are infected yeah so i never used the same tools um, or gloves as I would yep. of my other hives. Yep. Um, unfortunately though, people think that it happens quite quickly when that's false. It took me five months to detect a small number of AFB cells in those hives. Yep. So I completely overhauled those hives. I helped them out. Um, I cleaned a lot of their wax out. So I rotated quite a fair bit of brood out. Yep. And I think that that was the one thing that saved them for so long mm-hmm. because I did rotate that brood. Yep. And that's why it took five, six months for me to see those handful of AFB cells. Yep. But nonetheless, once they were detected, um, by that stage I had placed uh, a couple of my own hives on the same site very close. And by that stage, I had to then put down five infected hives. That's how quickly it does go from one to the next. Yeah. Um, so I had to put down five infected hives um, on that site, unfortunately. So it is you have to dig a hole, you have to burn everything. Well, put them to put them to sleep first. Yeah. Burn everything and 
That's yeah, it's, it's quite horrible. Yeah. Um, and that was a hard lesson to learn. Um, but I believe that the way I beekeep is because of it. Yeah. Um, because I feel like rotation of brood um, is a stock standard two-year two thing. So I brood is the baby bees. Yep, yeah, so, so brood, for, yeah, for yep, anyone so, who isn't aware of what, what we, when we do talk about brood, um, brood is like your baby bees and yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it is stock standard that every two years that you have to clean out that brood. But I thought, hmm, after experiencing AFB and when you save a beehive, you feel like you are mother nature. You, you feel do. amazing. When you have to put down bees, you feel like the worst person in the world. It's not something that is easy to do. And it's not something, like it can make or break someone having to do that. And it nearly broke me yeah. um, to, to have to do that. Yeah. So I was like, how can I help my girls stay the cleanest they possibly can? So that's why I do my method of cold pressing honey. Yeah. Um, I don't do it for a sales pitch. <laughs> for one, it costs more. Yeah. Um, for me, as I'm continuously having to buy frames and wax for yeah. my girls. Um, two, I get less honey from doing that, as they always have to draw out fresh um, honeycomb. Yeah. Um, but I believe that m more regular rotation of the brood um, will keep them cleaner. I think the less time wax has to age, the less chance that an AFB spore could be in there. Yeah. Um, so to give an example, like your conventional or normal other beekeepers will, you know, use a spinner as such and yeah. um, they'll use a hot knife, etc. So you've come up with a very different approach that very, you're the exception or we're the exception because I've learned from you yeah. how to do that form of beekeeping and I just love it. So you know and this has obviously come from that devastating loss of yeah. AFB so tell me you know how you do it and you know yeah tell, tell tell let's let educate everyone why we are the exception to the rule and why a lot of other beekeepers think we're crazy <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes I often I often get that I'm crazy yeah I often get that I'm getting way less honey yeah. um more work for myself and it's more expensive. It is. Um, but I never want to have to go through that pain of putting down my hives ever again. And I know that I'm not, um, it's not inevitable. Um, it is definitely prevalent around um, most of Australia. So I should always be on the lookout and I always am when I do my inspections. Um, but I want to try and lessen that and I feel like the cleaner the wax, the less likely it is to be stored. So AFB is, a, is the spore and it is only activated once popped into a baby cell. Yeah. Um, so if it's stored in your wax and you are constantly renewing that, if it is not actually activated in the cell, it doesn't have a chance to multiply. So my thought is that every inspection, besides our winter, um, we don't really get too harsh of a winter, um, but uh, so minus three months of the year. So all year round, basically, I every time I go into my brood box, I go in every three to four weeks. Yep. Um, I'm at least bringing up two to three frames of capped brood. Yep. Um, and I'm taking that up into the honey super. And then I am placing down fresh sheets for my girls to draw out. 
Now, this has actually worked really well for me. It's made my bees quite strong. Yeah. So while they're waiting for those bees to hatch, they've already drawn out and laid eggs in the fresh sheets that I've given them. So basically, I'm giving them more brood, brood sheets that they can use. Um, so by the time the baby bees hatch in the honey super, they'll then clean out the cell and then they'll fill it with honey. Yeah. So I'm continuously rotating through that brood to try and get the cleanest wax I possibly can in my girl's hives. Yeah. Um, and then by cold pressing it, um, I'm not using any heat uh, or spinning equipment. So it's it's kind of like the most natural form of honey you can get. So it is quite, it's quite beautiful. Yeah. Um, it is definitely more time consuming. Yes, <laughs> it labor really is. Yes. More labor intensive, but I like to think that my honey does um, taste amazing for it it does um and i'm getting nice small batches so it's beautiful as such as i'm getting those flavors come through um for each of my urban properties um you know i'll i'll get the paper bark come through or i'll get the citrus come through um or the orange blossom and i'm getting it in nice small batches continuously so that way each suburb is um once harvested it goes it goes the way of the flavour of what's in flower. So I keep each suburb separately. Um, so that way, if someone's suffering hay fever for the first three months of the year, it's going to then change the next three months of the year. But my batches will cater for that yeah. um, because it'll be what's in the area that the girls are getting yeah. um, and they're making the nectar flow on. And then you will get that because it's post-brewed. Um, honey you get a lot of that pollen and all the propolis that is set for the brood all through the honey as well so you're getting all those health benefits as well with it yeah. um, so it's not only good for us to consume yeah it's also good for our bees so when I first started doing it it was all about my bees and never wanting to have to go through that experience ever again and finding out what I feel works for me yeah um, and this works for me yeah um, it may not work for you, but it works for me. But just testing those waters and finding out you might have an in-between. Yeah. Um, finding out what works for you is is what you're searching for, really. Yeah. Um, but in the way of things, once I had AFB, I was determined that that was something I never wanted yeah. to have to deal with ever again. Yeah. Um, and that's why I beekeep the way I do. And that's something I've learned from you and that's something, you know, that aligns with my values and something that, you know, I discussed in a previous, you know, podcast that when you find a mentor, they have to sit with you, right? They have to sit with your values and what you want out of beekeeping. And it's so imperative to learn together. And for me, Norma May obviously is my 101 year old grandma. So I want to beekeep like they did a hundred years ago. And our honey exactly. is exactly what it would have tasted like back a hundred years ago before exactly. mass technology took over. So, and it's about the bees. It's always about the bees for us because no bees. Exactly. No us. So. Yes. Well, they account for one in one in every three mouthfuls of food. Yep. And um, exactly. so they are definitely quite important. Um, yeah. In for, for society now I do get told you know um, but they're not native to Australia so is a lot of our food source um, yeah. a lot of the fruit and foods we consume isn't native to Australia so we really rely on them for pollination services yeah um, yeah I can't stress the importance of that um, 
that we we would starve without without honeybees yeah. and we need to find something that works because there are so many things as I discussed earlier um, there are so many things that affect our bees and the newest worry is varroa yes um, so there are so many things that affect our bees um, that we do lose bees continuously um, either through AFB EFB starvation um, our weather so either you know it can be drought or it can be too wet they can be flooded yeah. um, there are so many different things that happen to our environment that we lose so many of our bees yeah um, and it's quite sad and um, learning to do the right thing by them and keeping them nice and healthy is 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 what it's all about and you know we've gone out on a swarm where you went and saved a swarm and the neighbor told us that she saw her neighbor spraying raid like just trying yeah. to kill them yeah. like so oh, you know this is about education like yeah. people need to I be think, aware <laughs> i definitely think that education plays a massive role um we yes we have definitely been out to swarms where they have been sprayed um, I went out recently to a swarm that was the size of a fist um, in an urban area and most likely the rest of the bees could have been sprayed um, and went into a little ball for safety because the rest of their horde yeah. sadly died of poison. Um, it was a, a couple of weeks ago so this is where you have to be resilient to be a beekeeper. Um, I've been through AFB, um, I've had to feed um, none of my urban girls have needed feeding, um, but one of my sites is out on land and definitely I've had to feed my bucking bees. Yeah. Um, so you, you look through starvation, I've had to move bees uh, through getting, um, you know, during the floods. Um, a couple of my sites um, flooded in, so I had to move them out before the floods came. Yeah. Um, so there's all these different elements um, that you have to be resilient for. And then the newest, well, not the newest, it's it's continuous. Every year I have to deal with this. Um, but the next thing is poisoning. Yeah. Um, so because I urban beekeep in a lot of urban areas, um, people like to spray their lawn grubs. But nowhere on lawn grub spray does it say it also kills uh, butterflies, bees, solitary bees, stingless native bees. Um, yeah. It even then it goes on to affect frogs if the frogs eat the dead bees, um, the, the birds even. So the birds even eat the dead bees or the grubs or the grasshoppers infected and then they're next to die. Um, so the newest thing was, is one of my sites was heavily poisoned. Um, it does look like fripnol, yep. um, which is normally a lawn grub, and that is a slow-acting killer. So what happens there is it gives enough time for the bees to forage on said poison, whether they think that it's water yep. or whether they think that it's nectar on a flower, yep. and they'll bring it back to their hive, and of course they share it amongst themselves. Yeah. And then that's where you get the mass poisoning of that sharing of that poisoning. Um, and they don't know they've been poisoned till a lot of them are dying. Yeah. So that way you have to go into their hives. You have to help them out. You have to clean out the dead bees. You've got to make sure their queen's all right. And if she's not, you need to deal with that. Um, sometimes you lose full hives to this poisoning and it is hard to clean out it is hard to see that your girls are going through something like this when it's their natural instinct to help you and your garden whether it be 
a lime tree or a lemon tree or you know yeah. whether you want that apple or that nectarine or peach off your fruit tree and they're doing these things and getting poisoned for it um, it's hard to watch your girls go through that so that resilience really has to kick in at some point yeah because you will as a seasoned beekeeper you will go through drought you will go through floods you will go through poisoning um, I hope to God you don't go through AFB, but you will go through hive management of wax moth. You will go through hive beetles. You you will go through all those elements um, as you grow in your beekeeping journey. Yeah, and that's so important why you need a mentor. And it's so yeah. important to understand before going into beekeeping to just arm yourself with knowledge because it's yeah. not... It's not easy. It's not easy. And just getting that mentor so that way when you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have any eggs, but I can see the queen. And you're like, all right, I think your queen's good and fertile. Or, oh my God, I have 20 queen cells in my hive. What do I do? Yep. You need to make a split. So in that instance, I would make a split with the original queen in the nuke box and then leave your queen cells in your main hive sometimes she feels like she hasn't swarmed yet and they will create a secondary swarm so just not arming yourself with that mental to be like uh, hey <laughs> this this situation's arose and how do i go about changing it or how do I, how can i fix it or oh my gosh i opened the lid of my hive and they were so cranky it was really unlike them I think they're queenless. You know, arming yourself with all this different knowledge of, oh my gosh, where do I get a queen from? Or, oh my or, gosh, the queen is laid in the super. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, That's oh another God. story. <laughs> yeah, there are so many different things. Um, even down to um, finding out what wax moth looks like. Um, sometimes you open up your hive and it, they can be really, really healthy. Um, but seeing a webbing, um, of a cup like four usually it's four cells in a row just knowing to pluck pluck those top cappings off and there is a wax moth under there flicking it out and helping the girls um, you know knowing that you've got both nectar and pollen because pollen's your protein for your babies so if you've got lots of honey it doesn't mean that they're nice and healthy they need the pollen as well yeah um, so just knowing all those different things to make your hive beautiful and healthy yeah wow so guys this is just the really important you know aspect that we just need you to know that beekeeping ain't easy it's you need resilience and you know this is just the start of Steph's story like we you know you have so much to teach me still and we you know like I gotta say I can't wait until you hear her uh, honey connoisseur tasting and her many different forms of explaining <laughs> because we have realized that uh, cat piss is an actual description <laughs> it is it's a description um, that was done earlier on in my beekeeping um, I went to a forum as you should go so if you are thinking of getting into bees add yourselves to all the beekeeping forums they are that way you can ask any sort of silly question Absolutely. and the, the beekeepers on there are amazing to help you out and people laughed as I said hey my hive smelt like cat piss today um so what's the go with that um and I had a couple of old beekeepers laugh 
and they're like, you've hit the paper bark and eucalyptus flow. <laughs> so apparently, it's an actual flavour of a honey. Apparently, it's really good for you, amazingly good for you. It's nice and healthy, but it is a very strong, strong, bold, bold flavoured honey. Um, very unique honey um, that I, I have learnt to have the smell. So I can walk to my hives and be like, oh, yeah. It's it's paper bark, which is Melaleuca season. I can yep yep. I can oh, smell that one coming. <laughs> well, maybe that's what we'll discuss. So next next week we'll discuss the very many different kind of flavors, flavors? of honey. Yep. And you know your recent trip to Tasmania, and Ooh, we can yes. talk about that. And. We just really can't wait to continue to keep spreading knowledge and education with our quirkiness and all of our stories. And, and you have so many stories. Yes. <laughs> and also don't get put off by no. us telling you the resilience you need to grow. If it is something that you really love, you become passionate. Um, just like I did, you grow a passion that I can never ever imagine a time where I would never have my bees Absolutely. Um, so please don't uh, think that it's scary um, or it's just so much knowledge you do you do learn things along the way yeah. um, yes it is an amazing journey um, and you do learn a lot from our bees and that's why you know I say that's why I'm so glad I got you girl and that's why we are here to spread that <laughs> knowledge and education because I'm the same I'm an accidental beekeeper and I think you're the same exactly. like you, you know exactly. it was and... meant to be my husband only <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we joined forces and here we are exactly oh but thank you so much and um, we look forward to doing next week uh, until then this is your girl Ali and this is Steph and we will be talking talking to you guys later. Bye. Bye.